Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR. As always, I am joined by fellow co-founder Evan Silva. And today we have a very special guest. You guys already know him. You guys already love him. He's our master of math, the rare mix of true fantasy sports loser and true data scientist. It is Mike Leone. Mike, what's going on? I think you just described hashtag team no sex for me in my intro. I'm thrilled to be on this podcast. It's crazy. My fantasy adventure has led me to doing a podcast with Adam Levitan and Evan Silva. So pumped pumped to be on, guys. Oh my God, your dreams were your dreams were so low. By the way, speaking of Team No Sex, the the job the uh, the Slack group posting that Leone put on, you guys can check out his Twitter at Two Hats One Mike for the Slack group for analytics group that we're that we're forming. And that was, I mean, I'm excited about it, but it's also straight Team No Sex, and and you know that's all part of the fun. Anyways, Evan, what's going on? What's going on? It's great to be on with uh, Leone, the rare pragmatic Bills fan. Um, <laughs> How do you think Josh Allen's going to do this year, man? We're, I mean, we're, we're talking about quarterbacks on this show, so let's just start it right off with, with your Josh Allen take. I'm not as high on Josh Allen as you are. I'm not on the MVP train that you are, Silva. I wish I could get there. I just don't know if he's made the progress as a passer that's needed, but certainly everything around him is set up to succeed. You know, they've it's crazy. All the rookie quarterbacks that went in that draft uh, outside of Lamar, I mean, they Bill's at the time seemed like a dumpster fire and really they did the best to surround Josh Allen with the support that he needs. You know, you compare him to what's going on with Sam Darnold for the New York Jets and it's night and day. And uh, I'm excited to see what the addition of Stefan Diggs does, because if Allen can improve even a little bit as a passer and an elite wide receiver like Diggs can happen, I mean, it is rocket ships up with his ability to rush and his arm strength. So Josh Allen was not, you know, an analytics approved draft pick, but I think that the way that the bills have built around him has been extremely analytical Um, from, you know, understanding his strengths and weaknesses and putting pieces around him that I think will mitigate some of his weaknesses. Like, you know, understanding that he, he really doesn't throw an accurate deep ball and then go and get the best deep ball receiver in the NFL and, and, you know, and maximizing his strengths, like allowing him to be an aggressive scrambler um, and, and really just going through an, an entire offensive makeover in two off seasons and not stopping at what they did in uh, last off season, which was just remake the offensive line, you know, remake the receiver core. And then they, and they still go out and get Stefan Diggs. I mean, again, you know, not an analytics approved draft pick, but I do think that the way that they are building their team around Josh Allen is highly, highly analytical. Yeah. They're gonna win the AFC East Leone. It's gonna be it's gonna be a pants off party for you. They're definitely <laughs> gonna win the A definitely gonna win the AFC East. I hope you guys got those plus one sixties, plus one seventies that were out there early this offseason. Anyways, this is a mini show. Over the next four mini shows, we're gonna talk about season long draft strategy. And part of that is player takes because a big part of of strategy is understanding relative value, right? Like we can't construct a strategy unless we can quantify how much more valuable Kyler Murray is than, you know, Teddy Bridgewater. But another part of it is macro strategy, like understanding how to solve fantasy football from a more top-down perspective, which is a lot of the stuff that Leone has looked into. Before we get into quarterbacks today, I want to remind everyone that yes, 
football is happening. You've been slacking in your preparation because you thought the season would be canceled or postponed. You were wrong. The season is happening. We can help though. Our draft kit is just $35, comes with every set of rankings, tiers, player analysis, strategy you need. I really think the prepared owner this year will have a bigger edge than ever. So head to the site to check out our draft kit. Okay, quarterbacks, boys. Uh, Generally speaking, in regular, you know, kind of home league style, single quarterback leagues against normal opponents, I always think that waiting on quarterback is undoubtedly GTO because so many of our opponents are not going to understand positional scarcity and they're going to reach at the quarterback position. And also, I think a lot of our opponents in these kind of common leagues don't understand that quarterback stats, I think, are difficult to project on a season-long basis. But from a week-to-week basis, I think, Leonie, they're the easiest to project on a week-to-week basis to project quarterback stats. And also, I'd also add to that part of the reason, I think, is that opportunity is more clustered, right? Like every quarterback touches the ball on every offensive play. So we get a lot of quarterbacks projecting similarly each week. And in a 12-team league, you only have to start 12 of them. But there's 32 starters in the NFL. Like there's so much depth. And then, you know, so if you get compare that to two and three running backs that you have to start and so few are playing every snap, it's just a totally different ballgame. So from a macro perspective, Leone, this whole idea of late round quarterbacking, can you explain to the people better than I just did why this became the GTO thing when you're dealing with uh, kind of common home league type opponents? Yeah, J.J. Zacharyson, the at late round quarterback on Twitter, has written a lot about that. That's how he got started. And you hit on it with positional scarcity. When you're looking at the quarterback position, if you're in a 12-team league, there's 20 to 24 viable starting fantasy quarterbacks out there. And uh, unless teams are hoarding you know, three, four quarterbacks, which would be really suboptimal for other teams, you're going to be able to get someone with a really good floor to start each week. You can churn the waiver wire and play matchups each week. It is a bit more predictable week to week because a quarterback seen, you know, 30 to 35 pass attempts. It's not a wide receiver who might only see 10 targets and you can really take advantage of good matchups because of that. They're one of the positions that sways the most based on matchup strength out there. So I'm really pro waiting on quarterback. And I think as We've seen that be a successful strategy for a handful of years now, but the quarterback position feels particularly deep this year, both fantasy-wise and in terms of real life. I mean, guys like Jameis Winston are backup quarterbacks. You know, the quarterback position in the NFL feels like it's in a really good place right now. Yeah, Evan, we play in a lot of these like industry or expert leagues. And then when you see the draft boards for those, it looks ridiculous because you don't have like any quarterbacks going until like round seven or eight outside of Mahomes and Lamar, who we'll talk about. Uh, in a second here, but I don't think that's what most people's draft boards look like. So when you play in a league that's not expert, that's not uh, industry leagues, how do you handle the weight on quarterback thing? Just try to be the last person in the draft to take a quarterback. Um, some people might even have their QB2 before I take one. Um, and I would even say that there might be 29 viable quarterbacks this year. I mean, I would even go to that because you can go down to Drew Locke, I think he has job security. I mean, his freaking – the Broncos irresponsibly putting together their quarterback depth chart have Jeff Driscoll and Brett Rippon as their numbers two and three quarterbacks. But that, you know, supplements the the job security for Drew Locke. Um, Derek Carr, uh, there have been multiple reports over the last few days that his job security is much stronger than, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota's uh, contract might indicate. Um uh, Gardner Minshew, his backup is Mike Glennon. 
Uh, and then I think Tyrod Taylor uh, might even have better job security than and, – and Tyrod Taylor is my quarterback, 29. I think he might even have better job security than um, one would think considering that the, the Chargers just used an early draft pick on a, on a quarterback in Justin Herbert. But, yeah, the, the position is incredibly deep. And um, even, even in expert leagues, uh, I just did this Apex League uh, uh, like a, a week ago, um, and I did take Deshaun Watson in the eighth round. But – Usually in that league, and I make the playoffs every year in that league, pretty much. Uh, I, 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 will, I will try to be like the last person to take a, take a quarterback. And um, I think that my favorite target when I do do that is Jimmy Garoppolo for a lot of the reasons that we have um, touched on uh, on previous podcasts. Yeah, and we're going to talk about some of the targets. And, and certainly I don't think waiting for those bottom, bottom barrel guys that Evan mentioned is right. In home league type settings, he's just showing how deep the position is. And we'll get to some guys who I think I would want as like my last in a second. My last, you know, if I wait on quarterback, the last guys that I would wait for. We'll get to those guys a little bit later. I want to talk about Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, though, because I think this is a, a unique year. Like last year, Lamar Jackson kind of broke this whole late round quarterback thing by separating so far from the pack. Now, obviously, there's going to be a regression. I believe Evan still has Patrick Mahomes ahead of Lamar Jackson slightly for this year what is your stance leone on if lamar jackson broke the whole late round quarterback model and how are you handling lamar jackson and patrick mahomes this year because you can make a case that these guys are like legit wild outliers it does feel like they're exceptions i know in the past we've seen the qb1 that gets drafted really disappoint the following year you know they rarely pay off their draft costs we've seen it with aaron Rodgers in years past we've seen it with Russell Wilson at times, Peyton Manning at times. It feels like Mahomes and Lamar are different in part because they're so young. And if we, you know, when we're talking about regression for some of these other guys, well, we don't know where the regression is headed towards someone like Mahomes who's playing with one of the teams in Kansas City that has the past happiest play calling in the entire league, has these absurd playmakers around him, a quarterback like, Lamar Jackson, who has this rushing ability that we've literally never seen before in fantasy. So I'm more prone to it than I would have been in years past, but I just think the opportunity cost is still so high. And part of the reason why Mahomes and Lamar Jackson were so valuable in fantasy two years ago for Mahomes last year for Lamar Jackson was because they weren't drafted as early quarterbacks. I mean, these were mid-high tier quarterbacks. These were round nine type quarterbacks when they were drafted and you didn't pass up on the huge opportunity cost that comes with taking a quarterback in the first three to five rounds when you really need to take your skill players because the floor with your skill players drops off dramatically after round five or six. Right, exactly. And, and that's really the point to me about late round quarterbacking is the opportunity cost of it. Silva, have you had any teams where you've been like, man, I really want to take Lamar or Patrick Mahomes here? And how far do you think, I guess, these guys can Lamar separate as far from the pack this year as he did last year? I think is really one of the biggest questions. No, I, I don't think that Lamar Jackson will separate as much from the pack as he did this year or else I would, you know, have him ranked, you know, as the number one quarterback. Don't, don't even have, have him number one. Um, I think that he is going, you know, I think that his touchdown passes are going to go from like 36 to like maybe the mid 20s. Um, and he's probably not going to reset the, the, uh, the, the rushing record uh, for quarterbacks all time. So, yeah, I, I do think he's going to come back to the pack a little bit. I think that Patrick Mahomes uh, is a better bet to, to outscore Lamar Jackson this year. I think that his TD rate is going to spike 
back up. I think just think that the, the Chiefs are going to absolutely shred this year. Um, and not to get too much in, into the player takes because that, that's not necessarily the, the theme of this show. Um, but, yes, I have drafted Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson at certain points, not never to, until the third round, um, but always with the intention of stacking them with a teammate, whether it be, hey, I got you know CEH in the first round or I got Kelsey or, or Tyreek uh, maybe in the second or, or late in the first stacking them with Mahomes, you know, definitely want to be uh, much more aggressive trying to get Mahomes in those scenarios. And then with Lamar Jackson, um, you know, I mean, you could definitely draft him naked. Uh, but, you know, I, after drafting Lamar Jackson, I still want to prioritize one, getting at least one of his teammates, whether it be Mark Andrews in the fourth or fifth or, you know, Marquise Brown in the, the sixth or seventh or, you know, even Mark Ingram, um, tr you know, trying to put a – trying to put like a, a muzzle on, on all those Ravens touchdowns. I think that Mark Ingram is, is a good bet as we've started to discuss more and more in recent, on recent shows. Yeah. If you head to the site, Leone wrote an article about stacking in season long and why it's effective. You know, we also, we always talk about stacking in best ball and in DFS. I think stacking in season long can make a lot of sense as well as Leone proved head to the site to check out that article for more on the math behind that. Okay. So we've established our take on the early round, guys. I want to go to like the border of who I would take as my late round quarterback before we circle back to kind of the mid-range. Because, um, you know, what is a late round quarterback in a 12-team home league type of setting? Uh, in a deeper, more, you know, a competitive format, I would call Teddy Bridgewater probably, you know, maybe a Big Ben and Danny Dimes. I would call those guys late round quarterbacks. But I kind of think in these home league type settings, like I could see myself taking Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz or Josh Allen or Matthew Stafford. And that's kind of where I'd want to be in these really softer kind of formats, home league type formats, because I think those guys can give you difference making edge and you can still get them in the eighth, ninth, tenth round where there's not a lot of opportunity costs. So that Ryan Wentz, Josh Allen, Stafford kind of tier is where I'm kind of find myself landing in these formats. Leone, where are you ideally landing at quarterback in these 12 team home leagues? Yeah, I like that tier a lot. And in that stacking article you referenced, one of the tenets of it sort of was targeting quarterbacks in this range where you're not paying up for an early quarterback or not paying that premium price tag, but you're taking the earlier of the mid-tier quarterbacks that do have that legitimate upside. Because there's guys later on, you know, Phillip Rivers might be viable, but the upside's limited there. He's just not going to have a massive season. But every year we see three to four quarterbacks that go in that round nine ish range just totally blow their ADP out of the water. And it's hard for early quarterbacks to do that because you're paying such a premium price tag. And it's hard for the quarterbacks at the very end to do that because they're just not talented enough. And that's why they're going at the end. So I like that range a lot. One guy I love is Jared Goff, who by the fantasy pros ADP is quarterback 20. You know, this is the guy that led the league in pass attempts last year who historically has a really high yards per attempt. He just ran really bad on touchdown rate last year. I know some of the talent around him has gotten worse, but if you do miss that tier you just talked about, he's someone that I, I think has the upside that could be in there. And one guy that, you know, not to get too much into player takes, but if you find yourself rolling the dice at quarterback and you get burned and you need someone late, Tyrod Taylor, who Evan mentioned, if you're a league where you can stream, you don't even care about the job security because when he's playing, he's clearly a top 15 quarterback because of the rushing equity, maybe even a top 10 quarterback. Yeah, Evan, I think the question is if you wait for this Matt Ryan, Wentz, Josh Allen, Stafford kind of tier, you miss on the Dak, Kyler, 
Russ, Deshaun Watson tier. And those guys are clearly a tier better. I know you have them a tier better. They give you more rushing equity than those other guys. And they have, I think, arguably bigger pass game ceilings, at least for some of them um, as well. Have you found yourself, you just mentioned you took Deshaun Watson in Apex. I don't know how often Deshaun Watson lasts until the eighth round in home league type settings. But yeah, how do you compare those two tiers, the Dak, Kyler, Russ, Watson versus kind of the Ryan, Josh Allen, Wentz, Stafford type guys? Um, the Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, all those guys have enough upside, I think, to finish as the number one overall fantasy quarterback. Whereas I don't think, although I think that Ryan and Wentz and even Stafford, these guys can have great years. They, it, it, and it's it typically, they, they just don't have enough of a ceiling, um, as, as much of a ceiling. And it's primarily because they don't run as much as Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott. Um, and that rushing ability heightens the quarterback's floor and greatly heightens the quarterback's ceiling. And is and it, with you know the the um, you know much more prevalent uh, you know the the, uh, the like running quarterbacks have become much more prevalent in the NFL. Just teams have um, like started to embrace them for a long time. The feeling inside the NFL was you need to have a quarterback who plays within structure, you know, who stands there and, you know, uh, plays inside the design of the offense. And then I think that offense, you know, offensive line play uh, became uh, started to worsen and defenses uh, started to really, really emphasize speed and quickness and, um, you know, just having a quarterback that can make off script plays has become, you know, much more prevalent and, and accepted in the coaching community and in the front office community within the NFL. And therefore, we have a lot more dual threat quarterbacks. And we have guys that even as you go down the list and you look at guys like Gard- Gardner Minshew and, um, you know, Dan- uh, Danny Dimes, mm-hmm. um, you know, these guys can actually can have like spiked weeks to where to where they're, they're top five fantasy quarterbacks in a given week. But when we're, we're trying to separate that, you know, the Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and then down to that Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray tier from Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, that running ability makes a great, great difference, great deal of difference. Yeah, I think the only the difference in that tier, though, is a couple rounds. And I think I find myself questioning a lot, hey, is it worth it to dive into these like opportunity costs of a fifth or sixth round wide receiver who I really like or a fifth or sixth round running back that I really like versus taking a, a Dak, Kyler, Russ uh, type player? Where do you stand on this debate between reaching for the upside? Because I think the fantasy community has really come around on what Evan was talking about. Like I took Dante Culpepper in like the 12th round in 2000. And people were like insane. I was like, dude, the guy's going to run. And this was 20 years ago. And even Lamar Jackson last year. And I think Lamar kind of sparked it. But like, you know, after everybody saw what Lamar Jackson can do, people just aren't passing on quarterbacks with rushing equity anymore. So you do have to pay for it. Where do you come down on that whole debate between these two tiers? Yeah, if it's the top five to six rounds, I generally am avoiding it. If I can get in around seven to nine, like Silva did in his Apex League and he got Deshaun Watson in eight, that's great. Otherwise... There's just so much depth. I mean, you're talking where some of the guys like Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz go, there's skill players being drafted there that legitimately could have zero relevance on the fantasy season. They could not score any points. That doesn't happen at the quarterback position. So if there's one guy I'm reaching on, though, in round six, it's Dak Prescott. I think the Dallas Cowboys, who I know you guys are both into as well as me, they're the Kansas City Chiefs of the NFC. 
you know, they led the league in yards per play last year. And that was in spite of Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy had a, you know, high early down pass rate in green Bay. He was aggressive on fourth down. You know, he went to the pro football focus offices. It seems like he's doing all the right things. And when they drafted CD lamb and kept Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator, I think that really spoke to me that they're going to pass often and they're going to pass early and they're going to be super efficient. So that's the one exception I see where I really think we could be talking about drafting Dak Prescott, where we're drafting Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes this year in terms of ADP. But for the most part, uh, five, six is still a little early for me. You get into round seven, you know, there's a bigger difference. Okay, for sure. Let's talk about some true late round quarters, maybe for people in more competitive leagues who want to wait, uh, wait even more. And so I'd say my favorite true late round quarterback right now is Teddy Bridgewater getting the Joe Brady scheme, really strong weaponry. I think Evans highlighted how young and shaky their defense projects to be leading to a lot of potential shootouts for Teddy Bridgewater. There's certainly some downside there, you know, new environment for Teddy, new coaching staff, bring in Robbie Anderson. Um, so there's certainly downside there. I also think there's some other late round quarterbacks. Uh, we mentioned Danny Dimes, really tough schedule to start. Uh, but I still think has the potential, as you saw last year, four games with more than 30 DK points is just unheard of for a rookie in 12 starts. Evan talks about Jimmy has talked about Jimmy Garoppolo a ton. You can get him super late. We haven't mentioned Joe Burrow yet, who I think probably has more rushing equity than people realize in a pretty good supporting cast. We've talked about Baker some and all these guys. I mean, you can get all these guys super, super late, 12, 13, 14, 15th round. So Evan, who's your favorite if you're really going truly late round quarterback? Right now, I know you've talked a lot about Garoppolo. Anybody else besides him? I like Minshew. I mean, I, I like the idea of, you know, completely fading the backfield there in Jacksonville and uh, maybe throwing even a, a really late dart at Tyler Eifert, who, I mean, I, no one's going to be into this take, but uh, Josh Oliver, just uh, he's, he just broke his foot. That was going to be the primary competition for Tyler Eifert. And Tyler Eifert just played the first 16-game season of his career in Cincinnati. He's reunited with Jay Gruden uh, in Jacksonville. And there is, you know, a dearth of pass-catching talent there in, in, in Jacksonville. I love DJ Shark. I mean, DJ Shark is like a highlight reel machine. Not only that, but his target upside is immense um, as like the clear, clear, clear focal point of that passing game. I want to move him up every day when I look at the rankings. Um, I every time I, I know I'm too low on him, um, but he is an, an aggressive draft target. This team has a, again a four and a half game win total, and um, you know they're, they're going to be throwing the, the football. I mean they're going to be playing from behind frequently. Jay Gruden is you know definitely not opposed to uh, airing it out, um, and then Gardner Minshew has that uh, ha has that dual threat ability as well. Um, I, you can build a pretty interesting little mini stack there for on the you know for really really cheap. Take GJ Chark in the in like the early fifth, get Minshew really really late, and take Eifert with like your your last pick as your tight end two or tight end three, say in a tight end premium uh, setting like FFPC. And I think you got an interesting little stack to where all three of those guys could just crush their ADPs. Yeah. And Lavisca Chenault is also extremely cheap, too. You could probably get in the last five yes, rounds great, great call. A, a, as well. Leone, what do you think about true late-round quarterbacking this year? Any guys that stick out to you? 
Yeah, as I said, I like Tyrod just because if you're in a league where you think you can stream, you bank the rushing upside for as long as he has the job. And then if he loses the job, it's not a big deal. You pick someone else up. But Drew Locke, you know, they've built a lot of weapons around him. As Evan said, the depth chart behind him, you know, there's not really any competition for him. So it's sort of, in a way, a Josh Allen situation where we don't know if the quarterback's very good, but they're giving him, you know, Cortland Sutton you've got they drafted KJ Hamler who's a burner a uh, Jerry Judy who is one of the best wide receiver prospects you've got Noah Fan. I mean they're pretty flush with weapons so and as we go through these names there are just so many that you can default to so especially if you play in a league that has extra flex spots or extra wide receiver running back spots uh, you, especially there I think you could go truly truly late at quarterback and make sure you're stocked up on skill players yeah, explain to the people, Leone, how their roster, their starting lineup requirements should adjust their strategy for quarterback. Yeah, because if you're starting a limited amount of skill players, then there might be more merit to paying up for quarterback where you just want to truly construct the optimal lineup and you know, there's not as much opportunity cost. And each additional skill player spot, whether it's a third or fourth wide receiver spot or a second flex spot, changes that dynamic a little bit because bye weeks are going to hit Injuries are going to hit. You can't predict who's going to bust, who's going to break out. And as a result, you really need to stockpile the upside and the depth at the skill player positions because you can't just find that and replace that on the waiver wire easily. Whereas quarterback, if it's a one quarterback league, you, you know, every week there's going to be someone that's going to give you a base amount of points that's acceptable. And that's just not true at any other position. Right. Okay. Before we get out of here, I want to talk about some old man fades that Evan is on this year. Evan is below market on Aaron Rodgers. He's below market on Drew Brees. And I obviously have no problem being low on old men. I will say I thought Drew Brees played pretty well last year uh, when he was on the field. Obviously, he got hurt for a little bit, but I thought he played pretty well. The concern is always the Taysom Hill situation. But anyways, people are wondering, Evan, why are you so low on Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees this year? Oh, and then they can buy the draft kit and, and read about why. <laughs> um, I'm surprised that you didn't mention Cam Newton. I, I'm just going to totally uh, throw oh, this yeah. one to, to Leone because Adam has lowered the, the definition of what an old player is. Like, I mean, he's starting to creep into like the late 20s. Um, <laughs> Cam Newton just turned 31 in May. And Adam says, you know, he's, he's washed. He's, he's way too old. But I want to get, uh, and I have him at quarterback 12 right now, but I, want, I just want to get Leone's take on Cam Newton. I'm right about quarterback 12 with Cam. And, you know, his ability to be used as a rusher by the goal line is, you know, Josh Allen might be the only comparison there. And it just really drives up the fantasy value. That rushing equity, especially rushing TD equity, just gives you such a higher floor. I mean, in most leagues, rushing touchdowns are six, passing touchdowns are four. That's a big deal over the course of the season. So I, I'm in on Cam Newton. And in general, you know, Bill B has found a way to have a successful offense. I know last year that wasn't the case, but I'm pretty in on Cam. Uh, I'm in on your fades too, though, because guys who on teams like Green Bay and the Saints who probably don't throw quite as much as you think and quarterbacks who really don't run, the upside is just limited there. And they're being taken at a spot where they need to have that top five quarterback upside. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I mean, Aaron Rodgers just isn't a good fantasy quarterback anymore. The team has, you know, has decided to not surround him with uh, players that will elevate his level of play. 
Um, and with Drew Brees, you also have the Taysom Hill factor. I mean, the Saints gave Taysom Hill uh, a two-year, $21 million deal. They've also got Jameis Winston, who they could play. Like, you know, they're going to be really good. They're going to have blowouts. Jameis Winston probably comes in for some blowouts along the way. Um, although, man, he doesn't seem like the best quarterback to, to put in, you know, with like to protect the lead, does he? <laughs> um, but, uh, but Taysom Hill, I mean, he could take away like five, six, seven touchdowns in the red zone. They're just fantasy is supposed to be fun. And, and there's nothing less fun than when your fantasy quarterback is getting pulled in the red zone for like this gadget, you know, 31 year old gadget player. Um, that, that's part of it for, for me, honestly, with, with, with Drew Brees. But yeah, I mean, he doesn't run. He's not going to have, you know, he, he's not going to like, tr- you know, compete for the league lead and pass attempts like he used to. Um, so yeah, that, those are the reasons that I'm, I'm big, big fading Aaron Rodgers um, and Drew Brees. If, if you're taking those guys, just take golf. Four rounds later. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and obviously Aaron Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees come with a lot of name value, and in home leagues and stuff like that, that's going to push them up boards uh, a ton. So we certainly should be aware of your opponents heading into a draft and how you construct your quarterback strategy. We hope this helped you guys prepare for your draft by understanding some of the macro ideas and also some of the player takes that we have at the quarterback position. We'll be back with the other three positions for three more mini pods in the next week. So... For Leone, for Silva, for producer Luke, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.